You'll see a lot of corporations use a lot of blue because blue is represents like trustworthy and uh, strength and those kinds of things like longevity. And even in like fast food restaurants, you'll notice that almost all fast food restaurants, your McDonald's, Burger King's, Hardee's, Roy Rogers, you name it, they're all going to be reds and yellows. The reason that is, is actually it's physiological because when people look at reds and yellows, they actually, their body's physiological will start to salivate. It's quite fascinating when you think about it. You're on a mission and you just need more people to know about it. And whether you're brand new to marketing or a seasoned pro, we are all looking for answers to make marketing decisions with purpose. I'm Monica Pitts, a techie, crafty business owner, mom, and aerial dancer who solves communication challenges through technology. This podcast is all about digging in and going digital. I'll share my marketing know-how and business experience from almost 20 years of misadventures. I'll be your backup dancer so you can stop doubting and get moving towards marketing with purpose. I'm super excited to introduce you to our guest today, Patrick Sesco. Now, I heard you guys, you told me that one of the reasons that you were having a hard time building your websites was because you weren't solid in your company brand yet. And I understand it. It's a big thing. And so Patrick, though, he's a brand expert. And so he's going to help us understand the psychology behind creating your brand. So Patrick, why don't you kick us off by just introducing yourself and telling us a little bit about your business? Well, first, thanks for having me. I really appreciate uh, you you having me on your show and allow me to share with your audience these things about branding. Um, so basically, my name is Patrick Sesco. I'm a graphic designer and uh, brand strategist, which is kind of technically my, my title. Um, I, I started my business, which is Patrick Sesco, uh, back in 2005, full-time. And, you know, I come from corporate America where I really hated the whole sort of rigmarole of dealing with corporate red tape and people throwing other people under the bus to get FaceTime with, you know, VPs and CEOs and all that stuff. So I really just hated that corporate culture. And so that really is what led me to start my own business full time because I'd always done some freelance things. And, you know, I started off just designing, you know, newsletters and annual reports and things like that. But over the years, I really just gravitated towards the visual branding, brand identity, logo design and that kind of thing. And over these past, you know, 10, 15 years, I really started focusing on that and using that as sort of a springboard to launch people's visual brands as they build their business. So when you were in corporate America, were you still a graphic designer or did you have another role? No, I was a graphic designer. And, you know, in corporate America, marketing is usually, you know, low on the totem pole in terms of overhead. So uh, in 2000, I worked for a software company at that time. And that was in 2002, 2003 is when the dot-com bubble burst. And of course, marketing being overhead as it is, I was laid off from my job. So that made the decision of going into my own business full-time a lot easier. I was kind of forced into it. 
sometimes the universe opens a door when you least expect it. And you're like, all right, I have to look at this as an opportunity to walk through to the next phase. Like, let's move into the next room of my life and decorate it as well as I can. So congratulations on taking that step. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, just a little aside, you know, what do you call it? Aside, uh, inspirational moment is that at the time I was really scared and, you know, I had a newborn at the time and I was like, this is horrible. It's the worst thing. And really in reality, it was the best thing that ever happened. So, um, cause the opportunities that prevented that presented themselves thereafter, like you said, the universe just opened up and it was, it was kismet as I like to say. It is always really scary when you have a small person and then things drastically change. I remember even just we had had our baby and then Mike's car, like his truck that he had driven forever broke down. And we were like, no, 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 no. We've got like three more years that this thing has to run. Like, what are we going to do? And then we had to go buy a new vehicle for him. And that was like, wow. And so I can only imagine having a new baby and then having to go find a new job because that's it's just a lot. There's a lot of expenses and and energy that's being put out in other ways when you have the new small people. Well, yeah. And, you know, my wife's a teacher and she was staying home with the baby the first year. So she wasn't working. So it was just like, ah. (laughs) But you made it. And that's so awesome. And I'm glad that now you've really latched onto branding. I explained in a different podcast um, that not all designers are logo designers. It takes a specific type of human to be able to take not very many elements and arrange them in an aesthetically pleasing manner that means something that not everybody can do that. Like my designers are great at taking a whole bunch of stuff and simplifying it and making it consumable and tell a story on a website. But then when it comes to like this little thing, like a logo, and I know logo is not the whole brand and you're going to tell us about that in a second. Um, (laughs) So it's, it's, it takes all sorts of folks to get your uh, your business's brand out there and and rolling in the universe. So, okay. So, what is a brand? Tell us what is a brand because it's a common misconception that it's just a logo, but it's so much more. So, tell us all about it. Yeah, that's the sixty four thousand dollar question, um, and it's a it's a very complicated answer. Uh, so it really depends on who you ask. Um, there's a famous quote, and I, I can't remember. I think it's Jeff Bezos or somebody. There's two quotes. One is, your brand is what they say it is, not what you say it is. So a brand is basically the perception of the people who who are in your audience that will they will have that. Your brand is the perception your audience has about you, you know, what their gut feeling is about how, you know, you talk to them um, down to things like customer service, you know, so you think about the places that you always recommend to people. It's because of certain things and say customer service, you recommend them. So that's sort of the essence of the brand and the brand identity. And I know you didn't ask me what brand identity, but brand identity is sort of the visual representation of what the brand stands for. Um, and so that's where your brand identity is, your logo and the visual stuff. So the brand is that sort of gut feeling. Um, and the I think Jeff Bezos is the one who said is your brand is what people say about you when you're not in the room. So it's kind of like that sort of word of mouth, you know, when you're referencing somebody to to give them a, a recommendation, that's sort of the essence of what branding is. Okay, so the perception your audience has about you. This this is that's kind of deep. 
that's kind of deep because you could be thinking that you're telling them one thing and you might not be. And it could be visual. It could be, like you said, through customer service, which I think it's a little, it's, it's easier, but it's harder depending upon your size of business because a super small business, their sales, marketing, account service, it might all be one or two people. And so in that way, it gets real blurry. Um, but then when you start breaking it out into multiple divisions, which is I'm sure what you felt in corporate America, it, it gets harder because there can be like a disconnect between all of them and what really you want it to be and how you want people to perceive you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't have put it any more eloquently, really. (laughs) So tell me about the roadmap. So I want people to perceive me a certain way. I want my audience to see me as me, right? So how do I do that? What's the roadmap to get me there? Um, Well, it's, there's different levels. Um, if you're an established business, you're going to go a lot deeper typically, and that's where you get more into the psychology of things. But if you're newer business, and I believe that's what your your audience are probably more on the newer-ish side, if I'm not mistaken, um, you know, I, I always say that the roadmap should go in phases. And so if you're just starting out, you know, you want to maintain a consistent visual look and feel you want to know who your actual customers are, what their pain points are. So I'm sure you've heard of the ideal customer profile or avatar, which is a very popular um, ICA, I think is what people say in in our industry. Um, You want to know what kind of value you bring to your audience. You want to understand what your brand personality is, um, how you sort of present yourself, not in a, you know, contrived way, but just who are you naturally Um, and just uh, what your positioning is, sort of where are you, like how do you compare to the people who are doing the similar things that you are doing, so brand positioning also. So when you think about all of those things together, it really gives you that certain place in the mind of your audience that hopefully and ideally is not occupied by anybody else. Or if it is occupied by anybody else, you have certain differentiators that will separate you from them. So that way you're not just a run of the mill commodity, if that makes sense. Yeah. So what I'm hearing is that visual consistency is something that you should be concerned about, especially as, I mean, it doesn't matter if you're a small business, the big business and nonprofit, like visual consistency is, is very important because it's like a subconscious thing that people are going to group your stuff together and it's going to make sense to them. We want to make them feel welcome and secure. It's like, I say, like when I go over to my mother-in-law's house and I try to use her microwave and I can't figure out how to do it. I'm like, what am I stupid? It's like something, it's a microwave. I should know how to use it. And it should be the same thing. Like they should understand and feel comfortable within your marketing message and know that it's yours. And then you have to have an awareness of your ICA. You need to understand your own personality naturally so you can consistently portray it and then make sure that you understand how you're positioned within the marketplace so that way you can bring that to the forefront for your audience. And so those four things are kind of the roadmap for people to consider as they're planning their brand. Is that true? Yeah, and that's really the first part of the roadmap. I mean, the roadmap... I have a, a 4D branding roadmap I call, and it's, you know, it's not anything I discovered or anything like that, but it's just kind of the natural progression. Um, and it's, it's four phases, one of which is your discover phase. And that's kind of where you do your brand research. 
And the second phase is the develop, and that's when you're really developing your visual identity that's going to be informed by what you do in that discover phase. So it's sort of, sort of this connection. And then that third thing is sort of the design phase, and that's kind of where you're rolling it out in your social media, your website, sales pages, brochures, you know, stationery and PDFs and slide decks, all those things. Um, and then the last one is the deliver um, phase. And that's kind of your whole marketing plan. How are you getting this out there? What's your social media set, a strategy? Um, are you doing any paid advertising? I don't focus a lot on that deliver side of things in terms of what I do and what I teach. It's just that is definitely part of it. Because um, you can do all you want with a brand identity, but if you don't do anything with it in terms of putting it out there and putting it into a strategy, then it's just, it's worthless. So discover, develop, design, deliver. That is correct. Those are our roadmaps. Now, another thing I know that you talk a lot about is the brand stack. And um, the way I remember it is that your two thirds of your brand is homework. <laughs> <laughs> and then one third is the things that people actually see. You want to elaborate on that for me? <laughs> yeah. Um, so the framework that I've sort of developed over the years, um, I call it the brand stack framework because similar to part of this basically falls within that um, roadmap. And this is under the first two phases. And this is the framework that I use to develop visual identities for, for businesses. And a lot of that is, you know, I know some people are, they're very excited because they think about the sexy part of the brand. It's the logo, it's the colors, it's all the cool stuff that you see, but, you know, sort of like that uh, stereotypical inspirational poster of the, the uh, iceberg is just the tip that's sticking out, but most of your brand is the stuff that's underneath the water. And so that's kind of where I derive this brand stack framework, where it's, it's three, it's three uh, stacks, as I call them, foundation, strategy and brand identity and the foundation is basically it's a cross-section of your area of influence your footprint in the world of you of like you know if you have the entire world of people you have a small section or your audience is what it is that is your area of influence and then within that stack uh, which is the foundation that's where you have to really identify what it is that you do who you do it for, which some would call a niche. Um, how do you do it? How do you deliver these things? Um, you get into why you do it. And that kind of goes back to your core values because people, people will work with people who have similar values as them. Some people lead with, you know, faith and there's a lot of faith based uh, businesses and that's great. Some people lead with, um, you know, uh, uh, philanthropy and those kinds of things in terms of core values so those are really important to sort of explore and say, hey, what do you want forefront or what do you want as a foundation of your, you know, your business? And then you have like just your general vision and mission, like what is it that you want to do? And that kind of goes back to the whole why, why are you doing what you're doing? So that's sort of the first stack um, called the foundation. Did and then you, uh, what was the second stack? Um, the second stack is the strategy. I just didn't know if you had any questions about the foundation. Um, I no, I think you did a great job explaining it. I was taking notes. Okay. What, who, I, why, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> um, the second stack is the strategy. Now, this is more, uh, this is more like homework for 
the information that's going to eventually inform what you do in the visual side. But this is also a very important part of branding. And there's really a, a blurred line between branding and marketing. Some of these things are, you know, are also associated with marketing, but so is branding. Um, but in this second stack, which is the strategy, this is your, your brand messaging and positioning. So these are the things that you're telling your audience that, uh, that you're basically what's what you're making the case for why they should hire you or why they should work with you. What is your messaging? Um, and same thing, like I discussed earlier about your brand positioning, how are you compared to other people who are similar to you in your, in your industry, in your niche? Um, I'm not, I mean, graphic designers are a dime a dozen and I'll be the first to admit that. So how are you differentiating yourself? Um, and depending on how you do that, you can, you can differentiate yourself as a commodity and charge very little. And then your, your competition is going to be based on price, or you can, you know, position yourself as a luxury or high end. And then your competition is going to be based on value. So it's depending on where you are in that. So there's a lot of homework that goes with it. Um, so to speak, or research. Uh, other parts of the brand strategy is your, your brand personality. It's basically how you present yourself uh, and it should never be in a contrived kind of way. So it's really kind of easy, but you just have to be true to who you are because it's a lot harder to maintain sort of a false persona um, in a brand. So, you know, you, you think about like the bro marketers, right. And they're standing in front of jets and Lamborghinis and things like that when really they don't really own any of that stuff. So, <laughs> um, so you, you, with brand personality, um, there are brand archetypes, um, which are based on Carl Jung's psychological archetypes. Uh, there's 12 different ones. There's also the tone of voice. How do you speak? Are you in a professional tone? Are you conversational? Do you, curse a lot. So you think about, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk, if you're familiar with him, you know, his brand is basically the F word. So, <laughs> um, so it's stuff like that. Um, other parts of the strategy, and I'm really, this is high level here. This is not something that you just do in a day. This is, you know, time consuming to do all of these things the correct way, but um, audience persona, you know, what are, what's the value that you provide to your audience and just sort of what is unique to your industry that you can incorporate into your, your, your strategy that before you get into the visual part of things. This is really cool. Um, because really, I really, really believe that people just think their brand is like their logo and their letterhead and their colors. And what I keep hearing you say is it's all kinds of stuff. It's your whole personality. It's the way that you approach business, why you do what you do, like your unique proposition. It's not just one little thing. And um, I love that. And I, I like to your example that, you know, some there's people that are very tied to a specific platform of why they do what they do. And like you said, some people are face-based, other people are philanthropists philanthropy. We're like problem solvers, right? And we just latch onto that and we're holding onto it for all we're worth because this is why we do what we do because we love solving problems. It's, I think there's like some type of dopamine rush or something after you get done um, solving sure. a problem. So maybe we're just like junkies. Um, but ultimately, like I think understanding that and holding on to it and then allowing yourself to wear it on your sleeve and don't be afraid to be yeah. who you are. Like, I think that's super, super important. But 
it's exciting because then you get, once you do all your homework, you get to do the actual design part. That's true. Yeah. (laughs) And just to to sort of uh, attach to what you were just last saying, like, you know, for me, and it doesn't have to be faith. It doesn't have to be philanthropy for me. Important value is family. Like, when I ended up working for myself, it, I realized that, oh, my gosh, I can coach my kid's softball team now. I can go to all the school events that, you know, I'm not traveling for work like I was. So that was so hugely important to me. And that's what made that even though I was like, you know, had to had a pity party for a while <laughs> when I got laid off. It was just like that's when the universe said, oh, now you have the opportunity to do this. So it's just like that was huge, huge for me. Um, so just, those are the kinds of things we talk about when I say, you know, you see your personal values. So people who are really family-based, they'll, they'll latch on to that, you know, um, and it's not contrived. It's just who I am. And I love music and I bring that into my, you know, you can see my guitar over here. And so I bring that into my, my business, um, because that's a passion of mine as well. And people who love music will be more drawn toward me. It's not necessarily associated with business but it's associated with more of my personality and we tend to do business with people whom we you know have kismet towards or we have you know some sort of connection with so what i'm hearing and what i want to say to all of you fun listeners is that you get to be yourselves and that's okay so you don't have to be like everyone else and especially as <laughs> As a business that, I mean, we do so much online, right? All the online marketers are all about all these pictures of themselves and all these fancy, you know, blah, blah, blah. I'm holding a coffee cup. Yay. Um, (laughs) I just, I can't, right? It's one thing to admire somebody else's brand, but then when you just see everybody trying to look like everyone else, they just don't stick out anymore. You don't remember them. So if family is your value, then like hold on to it and do it and put you know, make sure that you are like following through with that value and don't be afraid to make all of your imagery reflect that. Um, not, not to the point that they think that maybe your kids are doing the graphic design, but like, it's okay. You know, like it's like people will, will gravitate to you and remember you because you are you. So you guys get to be yourself. Right. And you know, how exhausting would it be to have to like pretend to be somebody else all the time? It's kind of like, lying and then you have to make lies up to cover the lie and then you don't even remember (laughs) what you're lying about anymore (laughs) it's yucky i don't like it i don't want to have lambos behind me and i also don't want to wear a big pink frilly dress because i'm just really not into it yeah well normally i'm a little bit more clean shaven but yeah i'm I'm showing up (laughs) at myself today (laughs) i love it nobody can see you anyway so it's all good (laughs) So I kind of do want to ask about now some of the design things. I know that you can talk about like colors and all kinds of stuff. Can you tell me a little bit about um, like the visual brand identity and the kind of the psychology about some of those elements as a designer? Like how, I don't know. I'm going to stop there and I'm going to let you say something now. (laughs) Yeah, sure. So what I'll do is I'll, I'll just kind of give you a list of, of the, the primary things that are going to be included in a brand identity and then focus on the, the sort of the bare minimums that you need to focus on for people who are newer. Um, and the reason why I say that is because you don't just design a brand and it's done. It's really an evolutionary thing. So you have to start and you have to do these sort of, you have to build your brand in sort of phases almost because 
you know, if you're just starting a business, you're just not going to be Apple or Nike where you can just throw up a, the visual icon of your logo and everybody knows what it is. You're just not going to do that. So um, you're going to be having those same kinds of influences, but just on a smaller scale audience. It could be just 100 people on your email list. So but it's the same concepts. So just with that, I wanted to give you sort of an overarching list of everything that's included in your brand identity. I want to, can I interrupt for a second and just tell you that one of my biggest pet peeves is when people come into my office and they're like, no, I just want to have, you know, like Nike. I'm like, but you're not (laughs) Nike. Like Nike would not come into my office and ask me for this crap because they're Nike and clearly you're not them. And it's okay to be where you are. You don't have to be Nike, but don't come to me and ask me to design you this identity mark that everybody's going to know what it is like Nike because you've got like billions of dollars you have to put behind it before you can take your freaking name off of it. It makes me so annoyed as a designer. I'm like, Oh, Oh, when when I get that and I get that often um, and it's been much less because I, I put out what I want to attract. So Mm -hmm. I don't want to attract people who are just like, I just want a logo. If you want a logo, you can go to your fibers or whatever. That's not what I do. (laughs) I mean, I do logos, but I do conceptual logos as part of a, of a brand. Um, and in, like you said, it's like, if you want to be Nike, then you have to have, you know, hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars spent in advertising and reinforcement of that over, you know, three decades or however many, however long they've been around for, you know, so, yeah. So it's okay. You don't yeah. need to have that straight out of the gate. And I love it that you said it's a journey because it's so right. It's, it it's a journey. And so it's okay. It's okay. Like everybody starts because, where they are. <laughs> because early stage entrepreneurs, like, you know, that's a, that's a primary audience of mine. Of course I work with, you know, further along people one-on-one and, and do different things. But, you know, for, as far as like the education stuff that I do, uh, a lot of that is all geared towards early stage entrepreneurs. And, you know, one of the things I would say is like, you know, you don't have to get fancy. You don't need a fancy logo. You don't need, you know, you don't need this high-end design designed by, you know, Chris Dew or whoever, some rock star graphic designer. You don't need that in the beginning because nobody knows who you are. But what you need to do is to be at least consistent with whatever it is that you're doing. So what I'll do is I'll start off with this list. It's not a big list, but the main components of the brand identity are going to be and I'm lumping these as one is your logo, your colors and your fonts. And that's kind of like the base visual thing of, of your identity. Um, and then you have things like symbolism. Um, you have visual patterns and textures. And then you have other design elements. Those could be icons or things like that, uh, or just lines or circles or shapes. Um, then you have your photography, which is a big one, because most of us are probably going to be personal brands, meaning that we're the face of our business. So a lot of times, and that's where you get the whole sort of cliche, look at me, I'm looking off into the distance with my coffee mug and my laptop in hand, you know, <laughs> the brand photography things. Um, and then your design style. Um, so you think of what your personality might be like, you know, like I'm into like punk rock and rock and roll and I play music. So there's a little bit of edge to my visual stuff, some grungy kinds of things, but it's still nice and clean because I do consider myself very professional, but I'm also casual, you know? So Mm -hmm. um, those things are reflected in my visuals. And then lastly is a brand guidelines document that kind of puts all these things together so that if you hire a website designer, they have all of the guidelines to make sure that 
whatever they're working on and you hire a social media designer to do your social media graphics or whatever, they'll be working from that same set of guidelines. So no matter who's working on your stuff, whenever it's brought together, it will have and it should have that visual uh, continuity. I love it. So we have logos, colors, fonts. That's where we kind of start at the top. And then symbolism, patterns and textures, elements, photography, your style, and then your brand guidelines. Yes. And then what I was going to suggest for early stage entrepreneurs is really focus on that number one, is that your logo, your colors, and your fonts. And really your colors and fonts. Um, Because I don't think you should even have a super duper um, fancy logo in the beginning. And in fact, you even see some of the biggest names in the industry, like, you know, your Amy Porterfields or your Jenna Kutcher's or Jasmine stars, their, their logos are just their names typeset in a nice font. There's nothing fancy to it at all. Um, you know, so especially with personal brands, because we are the face of a personal brand as opposed to a company brand, a company brand is the name of the company. And you would typically have more symbolism and that kind of thing in a logo versus a personal brand. I feel like I need to do another podcast about should you have a personal brand or a company brand? Because I think that's a question that people are trying to like, they'll ask, what should I call my company? Should it be Monica Pitts design or should it be May Create design? Like which one should it be? I don't know that we should answer that question now, but I feel like there's got to be some differentiating factors in there. Like, which one is it? But I totally agree with you. I don't think that people need to have a super fancy logo to start out. I think there's a lot of times where just a really nice typeface would would work for them. Do you have any suggestions, like, when they're looking at fonts, what are things that they might think about based on the type of uh, personality that they're trying to convey? Um, yeah, so I, I do this uh, workshop. It's called Nail Your Brand Colors and Fonts Workshop, and it's kind of designed for this early stage entrepreneur that, you know, a lot of people, you see these fonts and you see colors and you're like, how do I select these things? So you start off, I start off with a real simple personality exercise, and it's not, it, it's, a, it's deceptively simple. It's just you go through and just be like, what, how would, how would your friends describe you? How would your family describe you? How would you describe yourself? And just do a full on brain dump of all of these sort of uh, personality traits that you can think of that apply to you um, or adjectives, you know, descripting type of words. And you just do a brain dump and then you sort of narrow that down to to a list of five to ten and really and then you narrow that down to like your top two or three. And then that's what you would use to inform what colors you might choose excuse me, and what fonts you might choose. So let's say, for instance, you know, you're happy and cheerful all the time and you're just happy-go-lucky. Um, that would probably lend itself to a brighter color, um, a brighter, happier color, if you will. And so then you can go to those warmer colors, your reds, your oranges, your yellows, and you can kind of go through those and say, okay, well, these colors sort of represent happiness. And this is the psychology of things. And I'm really simplifying it some here. Um, But sometimes it's as simple as that, you know, if that's one of the personality traits that you want to lead with, um, so your colors can represent that one personality trait. So colors, warmth, um, 
you'll see a lot of corporations use a lot of blue because blue is represents like trustworthy and uh, strength and those kinds of things like longevity. Um, so you'll start to notice that. And even in like fast food restaurants, you'll notice that almost all fast food restaurants, your McDonald's, Burger King's, Hardee's, Roy Rogers, you name it, they're all going to be reds and yellows. And the reason that is, is actually it's physiological because when people look at reds and yellows, they actually, their body's physiological will start to salivate. It's subconsciously, it's, it's not something that you'll recognize, but through years of research that all of these companies have, have done, that's why you'll see McDonald's is yellow and red, Burger King, yellow and red. They have a little bit of blue in there too. Um, Taco Bell is, well, they have some blues, but it's orange <laughs> and purple. So it's, it's, it's quite fascinating when you think about it. And then, um, so colors, that's a great, I love that you said those things about colors because I do think that it's important that people think about what these colors can convey when they pick them. Um, and I wish that I could sit through your workshop because that would be so great. It'd probably make me smarter to be able to explain it to people. Um, and then the second thing that you said that you want people to think about is their fonts. Is there anything that you would suggest they think about as they're picking brand fonts? Yeah. And again, I use the same concept of I basically that's why you pick, you know, three to five, maybe even 10 personality traits that you want to lead with. That's not to say that those are the only ones that you have, because each one of your uh, components of your brand identity should at least map back to either a personality trait, your core values or something. So that way there's just there's some psychology behind it and there's a reasoning why that color is that color, or there's a reason why you only use black and white or whatever. Um, and then the same kind of goes for font. So let, let's, let's say, say you chose like you're happy, cheerful, empathetic, and you based your colors on that. And let's say you went with some oranges as sort of your primary brand color. Well then, but you're like, well, I'm more than just cheerful and happy and empathetic. I also am professional. I'm also smart. I, you know what I mean? Those kinds of things. So then you can use your fonts to sort of convey that personality. So then you could have a really nice warm color palette with a really strong, bold font choice that kind of, you know, in juxtaposition to that, you know, gives you that sort of contrast. So there's a lot of things that you can do with colors and fonts and, you know, so if you have a font that's like italics or softer, you know, that's going to be more of like a, a feminine trait um, or a softer trait. Um, rounded fonts are going to be more softer than, you know, squared off bold fonts. Um, you know, obviously there's script fonts. So there's I mean, there's millions of fonts, literally. And some of that is chosen through the psychology part of what I was saying in terms of like mapping those personality traits to it. But there's definitely a component of that that is subjective because we are talking about, you know, aesthetics and aesthetics are definitely subjective to some degree. But a lot of it is rooted in this this concept of mapping the personality to the style of font and colors. Whenever I'm looking for a font to design with, I always make sure that A, it's legible because I'm sure. telling you, I know it sounds stupid, but I cannot tell you, like I just got graduation announcements in the mail and <laughs> I can't read the words. Like, like I'm not that old of a human. Um, and I can't read the words because it's so thin. 
and it's so small. And so I always am looking for a font that's going to actually allow me to read it and um, at, a, at a glance easily, you know, and have to think about it too much. And then I also look for at least one logo font or one brand font that has lots of styles, like not just because some people will have their brand font, but it's, it's only all capital letters. And I'm like, great. So we're going to yell at people all the time. That's what we're doing. <laughs> and so I am always like, hey, is there another one that's a lot like it that has uppercase and lowercase and maybe a, at least like a bold, a medium and a light that would be bomb.com like that would that would make our life so much easier as a designer and I, people just don't think about that when they're picking them so i'm like man functionality i want it i want it yeah, so bad well, <laughs> and, and just to dive deeper into the font side of things um it's not just about the aesthetics it is readability is the number one thing that you should be concerned with um so that's why people tend to get really crazy with these scripty fonts and it's so it's so um trendy right now especially with like personal brands, obviously it's more of a feminine side. So you see a lot of female entrepreneurs use these same looks. Amy Porterfield is one and you see so many people emulating her style that I have actually on many occasions mistaken somebody else's visual brand for Amy Porterfield's brand, for instance, or, you know, others, you know, and because they use that as inspiration, mm -hmm. but inadvertently end up copying, which is not good. Inspiration's okay. You know, copying is not, um, that's more <laughs> infringement, <laughs> if you will. <laughs> uh, but the whole thing with fonts is readability. And you can have more than one font. Obviously, it's a little bit easier to manage when you have one font. But if you have the multiple styles, like bold, italic, uh, those kinds of things, it gives you a little bit of variety. Uh, but if you're pairing more than one font, you can have, it's important that those fonts have contrast visually. So, you know, if you're having a sans serif for your titles and maybe you should have a serif font for your text or a font that is visibly significantly different than the other font. So that way there's not uh, confusion or it doesn't look like it's a mistake. Um, and that, that, again, that pairing fonts is, a, is an art in and of itself. And there's a level of it that is subjective. But bottom line is readability. Don't go crazy with all these fancy, fancy, styly fonts, and then do a whole body copy of that. And that it's that's that will just turn people off. Especially when they get um, skinny, really skinny, like the lines get really skinny, or they get really light in color. Because there's times where I'll look at it and I'll and like I can't even like I'm not sure how to make this out because it'll be like a yellow scripty thing, and I'm like, oh, yeah, yellow is one of the hardest, especially. <laughs> so I love that in your example, you were like, if you're a bright person and you want to use like oranges and yellows, you can pair them with like this nice thick font. And I'm like, yes, you and you should, right? <laughs> because otherwise right. nobody can read this stupid thing. <laughs> right. Exactly. So, okay. So um, I love talking about fonts. I would do it all day. I had a complete uh, meltdown about them in another podcast and it was, yeah, y'all can go listen to that one. Enjoy yourself. <laughs> Uh, so, okay. Um, okay. So anything else you want to tell people about branding before we wrap ourselves up? Um, you know, going back to, since probably most of the people listening to this are going to be personal brands, I could be wrong on that, but uh, because of the people I work with, it's, most of those people are going to be their name, or if it is a company name, it's still just them and they're the face of their, their business is to, you know, think about your brand photography and, but don't overthink it. Um, 
in fact, if you go to my website, which is patricksesco.com, I did a photo shoot in my kitchen with my daughter during the height of the pandemic when at first we were all quarantined. And we just did it with iPhones. And I'm still using those photos. They're not the highest quality photos. I didn't go and spend you know $2,000 for a photographer because I didn't, well, one, I just, I did I couldn't because I was quarantined. <laughs> but secondly, it's it's fine to use your iPhone. Just take some photos and just have some thoughts about it. And if your brand colors, like in my case, my brand colors are two different tones of blue. And so I wore a blue shirt. So think about those kinds of things when you're doing your photos, um, even if they're just really simple iPhone photos. Um, you know, just give it a little bit of thought and that will go a long way in sort of building that cohesiveness. And we did have a guest come on earlier this year and talk to us about how to get like great photos for your website and marketing using your phone. And he talked about like the psychology behind pictures and posing. And so you guys can go listen to that episode as well. I don't do a ton about photography um, because I'm not a photographer, but I do understand that people need it. And I love it that Almost all the people I talk to in marketing all agree that, especially for most of the digital things that you're doing, you can just take your photos with an iPhone. Now, we do have clients that have like cattle out in fields that we're going to use pictures of these animals on a trade show booth. Don't take that with your iPhone. You're like, there's no way I can make it big enough to be functional on the trade show booth. Yeah. But for, I think like for the most of us, our iPhone's an okay thing to use. And it's, it's, especially and we know how to use web. it. Yeah. Yeah. Especially for web, but yes, um, even print, you know, mm-hmm. lighting is really your friend. Um, you can take some great pictures with a crappy camera if your lighting is really good. Sweet. Okay. Well, thank you so much for all you've shared with us about branding. We've talked through colors and psychology and the brand stack and the roadmap and all the great things. Um, so yeah, uh, tell people where they can learn more about you. Where can they go to find out about you and maybe have you counsel them through making their brand? Sure. Sure. Um, so my website is patricksesco.com. If you want a copy of a brand, the brand roadmap, it's just, I don't know how many pages it is, 19 pages or something like that, but uh, not that that matters, but it basically goes over all the components of the brand roadmap. Um, and you can get that at patricksesco.com forward slash brand roadmap. Um, and I also have a lead magnet template that's called how to create a lead magnet that doesn't suck <laughs> template. It's basically a Canva template with some bonuses and all that kind of thing. Um, but it, it's a template that allows you to just take your brand colors and your brand fonts and plug it into this template that you can use to create a professional looking uh, lead magnet. So, you know, PDF lead magnet. Um, And you can get that at patricksesco.com forward slash lead magnet. And for your audience, I set up a 50% uh, discount code. So at checkout, you can just type in WMWP for marketing with purpose, MWP, 2023 and you'll get 50% off if you choose to do that. Well, thank you for that offer. I love anything that's going to save me time and get me to the finish line faster. So then I can go do all the other things that I like to do, you know? Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) It's all about time. (laughs) It really is. Well, thank you so much for your time today and everybody who's listening. Thank you for hanging out with you with us. And until next time, go forth and market with the show notes. And all those links that we just heard from our guest, head on over to maycreate.com, M-A-Y-E, 
C-R-E-A-T-E.com. And of course, I have to tell you the things that all podcasters are supposed to tell you at the end of their episode. Like, if you thought this was awesome, you could subscribe. And then I would like get to tell you when I have new stuff for you to learn and new episodes and new people to meet, new stories to tell. Oh, and of course, I would really love it if you left a review. So head on over to maycreate.com for those show notes, M-A-Y-E-C-R-E-A-T-E.com, or maybe even contact my team about building that next website. We can do it for you, and we even have our Better Than DIY website program that teaches you to plan and build your own website. So head on over to maycreate.com, M-A-Y-E-C-R-E-A-T-E.com. I'll meet you over there.